Hey, I have such an exciting episode planned for you today. We did something unprecedented for V1 Church. My name's Mike Signorelli, the co-lead pastor here at V1 here in New York, and we did five for five. We had five communicators for five minutes, and I'm telling you, we ran the gamut from young to, we'll say, experienced, uh, from single to married. I mean, we just hit every spectrum of life, and I'll tell you this much, and I think this is the most important part. The Holy Spirit was in the midst of us with a unity and it flowed in such a way that couldn't have happened any other way. So I'm just going to jump right into it right now. And I want to encourage you. I believe that there's something for each one of you listening at a different duration in this message. So you have to promise me you're going to make it all the way to the end. So without further ado, this is the Healthy Soul 5 for 5. You guys are probably wondering why this table is here, why I'm actually here, and, and, and I just turned on the laptop as if I'm about to preach. Well, guess what? I am about to preach. <laughs> yeah. Spirit, lead me. <laughs> How many of you guys have enjoyed this series, Healthy Soul? Come on now. I want to hear it a little louder. How many of you have enjoyed this spirit, Healthy Soul, this series? All right? It's been awesome. I, I got I to tell you, I got to be honest with you, this series by far has been the best series that I've heard thus far. Thus far. I, I, I just got to be transparent on that. And, and there is something, not, not, not saying anything about what happened with all the other series, because I, I think, just like Evan said last week, I say that for every series, but this series... This series really has done something amazing. Has it done something amazing in your life? Has it? That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? I, I want you guys to give yourself a round of applause because you've been free. You've been freed from a couple of different things, right? You've been free from an unhealthy, from an unhealthy finances, from unhealthy uh, uh, motivation, wh- whether, it be, whether it be people that are motivating you in the wrong direction. You've been free in unhealthy relationships. You've been free in unhealthy mindset. I want you guys to give yourself a round of applause. I wasn't just saying that just to say it. I want you guys to give yourselves a round of applause. Even if you don't think it is, I'm speaking prophetically in your life right now, and I'm saying that you are free from these things, from finances, relationships, mindset, dieting, right? All of these things that you thought that you were, in, uh, you, you were doing right, but now you're realizing that there is a different way to do it, right? So I want you guys in, 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 in unhealthy conversations, in unhealthy time, whether it be like you're spending your time in the wrong things, maybe Netflix, Netflixing, that's, that's, that's going to be a thing. <laughs> Netflixing, I want to say Netflix and chill, but I don't want to take your mind there, all right? Uh, and also maybe in taking control of things where God told you to be still. I'm going to pause right there for a second because I know I am guilty, guilty for that. I'm guilty for that. Margo, I saw you raise your hand like, yes, me too. All right? Yeah, I'm calling you. <laughs> All right? I got some control freak tendencies. I got to be honest. Uh, hi, my name is Randall, and I am a control freak. All right? And hi, how you doing? All right? And that's, and that's me. And if you didn't know who, who I am, by the way, I am Randall. Randall Duperval. I am here, and I am preaching this message for five minutes. All right? 
So, so here's the thing, though. What I recognize about control freaks is that they want to control everyone and everything around them. But I think you have a sense of lack, uh, a lack of self-control, though. Think about it. If God is telling you to be still, but you want to control everything, don't you tend to have like a sense of lack, uh, a lack of uh, self-control? Yeah, you're not agreeing with that. But I know when one thing I do know is that when it's tight, it's right, right? So, so, so then in, in that situation, I want you to know that if you're feeling like you want to control everything around you, then you may not be able to control yourself when God is telling you be still. Maybe not to you, but I know for me, I know that's a situation that I had to undergo, that I went through. And when God was telling me be still and know that I am God, I was saying, no, no, I am God of this temple. That's what I was saying. Yeah, you might not want to agree because that's like, that's a little bold, Randall. You can't say something like that. No, but in, in essence, that's what you're saying. That's what you're doing. When, you're, when you want to control everything, but God is saying, be still. Don't move. Don't do anything. In essence, what you're doing is you're saying that, no, I am the God of this temple. And I did that back in April of 2017 when I lost my job. I lost my job and I was just, I was in a place where I was just like, whoa, what is going on? How can this happen? And I wasn't laid off. No, I was terminated. That's what it said on the, on the paper. It said termination and I was just mind blown. Not in a good sense, but in the worst sense possible. And all I wanted to do is try to regain control, try to regain control and try to figure it out. But here's the thing. When God is trying to make sense of something, you have no business trying to figure it out because you, it, won't, it won't make sense for you. It won't make sense for you. So in that, I had to just stop because what God was trying to do is he was trying to gain control of the situation of something that I was trying to, get, trying to regain control of when I never had control of it in the first place. I never had control of it in the first place. When you lose something, it's meant to be lost. So stop wasting your time trying to grieve on it. Stop wasting your time trying to grieve on it. If you're meant to have it, it'll be there. But stop wasting your try time trying to figure out how can I get back to it. And what that means is God was actually making sense of me, of, of, of me trying to get, be alone, allowing me to be alone so I can get closer to him. He was trying to put me in a situation where I was driving an Uber and get, a, and get, a, um, get, get an, in, uh, an invite from, from Chris Wrigley. Chris Wrigley was in, my, in the back of my car, and he said, hey, there's this thing called a dream team, and I want you to be a part of it. He didn't necessarily say like that, but what he said was, come on over, come check it out. And I checked it out. And that first time when I walked into through those doors, somebody named Teresa, I didn't know her then, but she is, it's as if she knew me. It's as if she's been praying for me to come because she gave me this hug. And that hug held me down. That hug made me feel like I was welcome into this place. It didn't matter what the color of my skin was. It didn't matter what imperfections I had. It didn't matter what the lack of self-control that I had. But somebody said, here, come on in. You're welcome. And as that happened, then I began to be uplifted by a community of people, a community of people that said, hey, I don't care about the color of your skin, because in a time, of, in a time like this, things like that is it's prevalent. It's something that I think about, but it didn't matter. Like Pastor Mike said, it's not only vanilla flavor in this church. 
all right? We got caramel, we got chocolate, we got it all, all right? So come on over. But what happened is it allowed me to go on a journey for me to get on this platform. Not everybody is invited up here. Not everybody gets the opportunity to speak to, to, into the lives of everyone that is listening, not only here, but on the live stream. But it allowed me to get into a moment where I was able to be uplifted, not just by myself, but by each and every one of you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Each and every one of you, when you said, I love you, Nick Garcia, when, when you said that, that, that hey, how, how, how are you doing? How's your day going, Ozzy? Like, these are the people that made it happen. And if I didn't call out your name, you too. Because now I'm on this journey where now the platform is available for me to speak into your life for you to hear what I had to say. Come on, church. We're talking about the healthy soul. Amen. I'm thinking about a man named Paul. Now, this man, ever since he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he had to go through a life of suffering and hardship. He was beaten. He took 39 lashes. He knew what it was to be hungry and cold and go without water. He knew what it was like to be an eagle and walk alone. But yet that was his destiny. That was his purpose. That was his calling. And the reason was because he was going to write 13 books in the Bible. And most of those books that he wrote was in prison all alone, just him and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and in his life, he said, I do not have to have control. I can submit my will to the Lord. And you say, well, how is that possible for him to go through all of this suffering, all this hardship? You know how it is? I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them that it was an act of his will and not his emotions. He poured out his soul, he poured out his heart as an offering before the Lord. And he said, God, I don't have to have the last word in my life. I can give my life to you and whatever it is, I surrender, I yield, I give up. And if it's full of suffering and heartache for the gospel to write these 13 books, then Lord, let me get out the way and you get in the way because I'm about ready to pour out my life before you. Nevertheless, Last night I live, but you live in through me. And I think about in 1992 when I became a single mother and I fasted and I prayed for my husband. But one day he walked in the kitchen and he said, Sandra, I no longer want a Christian wife. Today you will either renounce your God and start going to the bars with me and smoking dope and do what I do. Or I am going to pack my bags up and I am going to leave. 
And I looked at him and it seemed like an eternity. And I said, I will never ever renounce God. I said, he saved me. He filled me with the Holy Spirit and I will never ever renounce him. And my husband said, all right, I'm leaving you. And he packed his bag and I was alone with baby twins that was only 13 months old. I was alone with a four a six and an eight-year-old but through that I said God I don't have to have the last word in my life I've given you my life and through these broken pieces and heartache and welfare I know God that you've got a plan for me and my five jewels and let me tell you I got I gave God control I submitted my will I yielded to him and my son had wrote this poem that I just have to read and it just literally sums up our whole life. If only all the stories could be told about the babies and their mother born of iron and fire. Oh, and the luster. I've never seen another burn so brilliant. This mother can always be found on the altar of her desires. Not my will, but your will be done. Is the prayer that delivered her from the fire. I've watched a chance being made it takes 45 times to get it right it takes 45 moons before you see the light but with 45 fists one for every year she'll laugh 45 times for each and every tear and though there were many seasons we had to suffer long and I had to get down on my knees and say God take this place of suffering away God says, no, I'm going to begin to use this because I've got five preachers, five prophets, five teachers, five mentors that you have given birth to. And I'm going to raise them up and you're going to bring the glory to so many and people are going to be healed and delivered. So I dare you give up control. I dare you to submit your will to him today. God bless you, V1. Come on. Do you believe that God has more he wants to speak to you this morning? All right, I want you to look to your neighbor and in the best infomercial voice you can do, say, but wait, there's more. That was good, guys. I want to read you something from the Bible from 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And it says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Come on. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, this is a verse for 2018. And here's why I say so. I think in our culture today, we have replaced humility with hustle especially in, in New York, am I right? Like this, this hustle, this grind, like, oh, I can just, I can work and I can achieve X, Y, and Z. And not that hustle is even a bad thing in and of itself. Like you should hustle, you should grind for the right things, right? Like you should work hard at your job. You should work hard for your family and for your church. But I think it's become almost like this cultural identity of hustle that says I can do better, I can be better, I can grind harder, I can hustle faster. 
But then, see, we live these lives with this expectation that, oh, I can hustle my way into happiness, but then our daily reality is burdened with this anxiety and this, this fear of what's to come. And I really want to unpack this word anxiety um, because, you know, it's important to remember the Bible wasn't originally written in English, so there's, there's a lot of wisdom in going back to the original text. And this word that we've translated uh, as anxiety from the original text would actually more accurately be translated as, as worry. And, and, and this one blew my mind. It would more accurately be translated as the dividing and the fracturing of a person's being into many parts. Come on. See, what if one of the reasons that God brought you to V1 Church this morning was to bring your being into alignment and unity with what he says about you? You might have come to church this morning fractured and divided. Maybe part of you said, you know, this is going to be a great day in church. This is going to be amazing. But maybe part of you said, you know what, I bet that nobody's even going to notice I'm here. I bet that this church is going to be just as lonely as every other part of my life. But I think that God wants to heal you in your fractured nature. See, we, this verse, it talks about if you humble yourself, God's going to lift you up. And I think one of the reasons that we live so fractured and, and so divided is because everything in our world tells us, oh, you can pick yourself up. You can lift yourself up. But this verse says, humble yourself and he will, he will lift you up. But you might be asking like, okay, that's great. Uh, I've been at this for a while and how is God exactly going to pick me up? Okay, let's say I humble myself. You know, I, I'm honest with God. I'm open with the people around me. How is he going to lift me up? And I want to read one more scripture and then I'm going to be done. We're going to hear some preaching. Would be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. This is Paul writing a letter. He wrote a lot of those. It says, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what I was lacking from you. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. Now, this was Paul's crew, right? This was his squad. These are people that were so worth mentioning because they had actually lifted him up. You might be asking, well, how's God going to lift me up when I humble myself? He's going to use his church. He's going to use the person that's next to you. He's going to use a broken church full of broken people to lift you up higher than you could ever lift yourself up through hustle, through striving. See, you're living striving, but God's called you to live surrendered, church. Are you going to live striving? Or are you going to live surrendered? So I would encourage you, whatever that looks like, maybe it's joining the dream team. Maybe it's joining a dinner party. You've been hustling on your own for too long, church. It's time to let God lift you up with his church. And some of you might be saying, I don't know that community. I, I, I've just been let down. I've just been hurt. And let's just be honest. It doesn't get any easier when you get older. When you, as you, like, who's my over 30s in here? 
Yeah, it doesn't get any easier over 30 to reach out your hand and introduce yourself to a stranger. But let me tell you a little secret that if you let it, will change your life. Vulnerability is the only way to create intimacy. You cannot get connected to someone unless you're vulnerable. So many of us are trying to put on that perfect face. We feel so bad inside that we're like, if we can be perfect, if we can strive, like Evan said, if we can show everyone that this face is perfect, the life is perfect, then maybe they'll be drawn to us. Maybe they'll love us. But the truth is that it's just like in our relationship with God, in relationships with people, with community, it's when we show people our vulnerability, the pretty stuff and the ugly stuff. That's when connection really happens. And I could tell you a million stories about how I know this is true because I struggled with vulnerability for a long time. But instead, I'm just going to read you the Bible, okay? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God says to Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, right? So God becomes strong in Paul's life as Paul becomes weak. And in turn, Paul grows closer in trust and love with God. And it's the same with community, When I am weak, my community gets to become strong for me. And when they're weak, I get to become strong for them. When we're in the thick of a desert season, when we have forgotten who we are, when we're hooping it up in the club, Pastor Julie, come on. It's going to be our community that comes in and tells us who we are and where we're going. They're going to remind us of our identity. They're going to remind us of where God is taking us. They're going to remind us of the promises on our life. Come on. Is that right? Now, the other thing they're going to do is they're going to call you out on your garbage. Now, I know nobody likes that, right? But can I tell you something? I, I was actually having a conversation with a friend the other day, and we were talking about something else, and I said this line, and I was like, oh, oh, that's, that's good. So I wrote it down and it said, healthy relationships challenge our brokenness and cause us to grow. Right? When we're submitted to community, we're forced to grow because it exposes our broken places. And when those places are exposed to love, they have no choice but to heal. Right? So there's some people in here that are like, you know what, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, but I don't need you. I just need God. I'm better off alone. Bull. Okay, Proverbs 18.1 says, <laughs> Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise counsel. God wants us to learn from and grow from each other. If we don't, then what's the point? Right? We were, it was originally, it was God's idea. So uh, there's a story in Matthew 16 where Jesus is talking to Peter and he renames Peter. He was originally Simon. He renames him Peter, which means rock. And he says, I tell you, Peter, I'm, I'm sorry. I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. 
And the word church there in the original language is ecclesia, which literally translates to a gathering of faithful believers or a body of faithful believers. So God never intended for us to reach our destiny or our purpose alone. We can't do it in an isolation booth. It's only in submission to a healthy community that we can actually get to where we want to go. It's only when we let other people expose what we can't see about ourselves that are preventing us from getting there that we ever get to where we're supposed to go. And some of you know that like Peter, Peter had foot in the mouth syndrome. He said stupid stuff a lot. And some of you in here that are scared to be vulnerable again are scared because you've been hurt before. You've been disappointed. And it's so scary to open up to the ecclesia that hurt you. And I can't promise you that that's not going to happen again because we're people and we're flawed. But Peter was flawed. He was far from perfect. And yet in submission to community, he was able to change the course of history forever. Come on, do we have some world changers in the room today? Do we have some world changers on the other side of the stage too? Is there anyone who could just stand up on their feet with me right now and give a shout unto God for what he just spoke into your life through this price that was paid? Man, do me a favor. Let's get the other four up here. I'm going to use them to take my five minutes now. Can I have five minutes too today? Who said I can have more? Promote, somebody promote her. (laughs) You know, as they come forth, I want to show you something with the last four minutes that I have because I've got some fuego. I've got some fire of Espiritu Santo. (laughs) 9 a.m., we went there today. Did this place go up? Did this place go up or what? But I want to show you something. You know, Kiel was talking about this moment where Peter's name uh, was changed forever. Actually, it was revealed. And I want to tell you about a place because I think this is for somebody today. They were in a place called Caesarea Philippi when that moment happened that she was preaching about. And for those of us who have never been to Caesarea Philippi, you've never been to the country of Israel, you may not know the full revelation of what Caesarea Philippi was and why that was so important that that conversation happened at Caesarea Philippi. See, the reason why that was so important was because Caesarea Philippi had a very prominent cave. And it was actually in that cave where they worshiped the god Baal and Asherah. And that was a false god. And what was a part of their practice was actually sacrificing. And I'm sorry, I have to say this, but I think it's important for you to get this today. They would take a newborn baby, throw it into the cave and the water that flowed from that cave, if there was blood, it actually was an indicator that the sacrifice wasn't received and spring wouldn't come. And they would continually and perpetually sacrifice babies in that cave to Baal and Asherah at Caesarea Philippi. The reason why that's important to you is because in the wake of all that devastation in the same place where all that demonic activity took place and see, if you haven't been to Israel, you may not know that Caesarea Philippi in this region where this story takes place was a cavernous place full of rocks. 
And so as they were standing in that place that every single person in the nation of Israel would have known, that's where they sacrificed children. That's where they worship. And matter of fact, as time began to play out, it went beyond Baal and Asherah. It actually became a place of pantheism, a place of many gods. And they begin to, as part of their practice, actually carve away all these, these, these gods into, into the rocks surrounding them. And so now if I can paint a picture for you, they would have been in this place of many gods. Maybe it's a lot like your life, the place of many gods. Maybe you open up your phone and your phone is a place of many gods. Maybe you go into work, you drive down the LIE, you're in a place of many gods. People worship many different things. It was actually in that place that Jesus looked around and said, hey, you see Baal, you see Asherah, you know that they sacrifice children here for eons. In this place, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Maybe you have only met the God of the stained glass windows experience of the idolatry from another church that you went to growing up. Maybe you only know the God of Hinduism. Maybe you only know the God of self-worship. You've been told that you're the hero of your story and every single time you get a brutal awakening to the fact that you're not a good God of your own story, that you're actually not a good hero, the house of cards that you built becomes it just comes tumbling down. It was in that place of rock, in that place of pantheism, in that place of many gods that Peter, who had foot and mouth syndrome, who often didn't say the right things, he said, he looked at all those other gods. He said, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, because everything we're surrounded by is dead. All these other gods are dead, but you're the son of the living God. And it was Jesus who said, hey, Peter, there's no way you were smart enough to figure that out. It's been revealed to you. And now because you revealed who I truly am, I'm going to reveal who you truly are. And then that's when Jesus famously said, it's upon this rock the rock of Baal and Ashtoreth, the rock of all these false gods, the rock of idolatry, the rock of child sacrifice. It's upon all this mess that I'm going to build my church and not even the gates of hell are going to prevail against what I build on top of the demonic infrastructure, on top of the failure. And so you know what? This is the rock. It's the rock of being left by your husband. Upon that rock of abandonment, I'm going to build my church. Upon that rock of being discarded and forgotten, being terminated from your job, going home and having to tell your wife and kids that you're a failure. On top of that rock, I'm going to build my church and not even the gates of hell are going to prevail against it. It's upon this rock of being given a prognosis and a diagnosis that, that God is saying, upon that thing, I'm going to build my church. Well, you don't feel like you have the words. When you feel like you're so young, nobody will even listen to what you have to say. Oh, no, 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 Evan. It's upon that rock that I'm going to build my church. And you're going to inspire somebody to say, because Evan did it, I can do it. Because Sandra did it, I can do it. Because, come on, do you hear what I'm saying, church? It's upon this rock that I'll build my church.
Oh, I believe that you were so encouraged by that message. I believe that that preaching changes lives. I've seen it happen week after week at V1 Church, and I believe wherever you are listening from, don't turn this off yet. Keep on listening because it's not over. The thing that God started in your life, he's going to be faithful to complete it. Now, I want you to do this as we're on this journey of getting a healthy soul. One of the most important things you can do is refresh other people because the Bible says that when you refresh others, that you yourself are refreshed. The easiest way to do that right now, and I'm not kidding, is give this podcast five stars, grab the link and share it and tag some friends in it and let this be a blessing to them as well. Thank you so much for everyone listening. We consider you family, whether you're online watching us every single Sunday or you're physically in our buildings, whether it's our Long Island location or Queens. And we just want to let you know that you are straight up family. You can hit us up at www.v1.church and leave us a message on the care tab telling us exactly what's going on in your life and our people will reach back out to you. But V1, This is Mike Signorelli. I will see you next week.